Adversity. Real stories from real people. Persistence Culture presents the Adversity Podcast. All right, we are back. Another episode. Real people, real stories. It's the Adversity Podcast. I am your host, Mambo, and your other host, Josh, in the building. What is up, man? What's going on? How you doing, Mambo? Doing great, man. Enjoying the weekend with the family. Nice. Uh, about to record this episode, then go uh, do some things with the family there again. There you go. There yeah. you go. We're going to do the same thing and uh, go play a little golf, chase a little white ball down a fairway. Is this uh, your first time back since uh, the accident? This will be the first time back since the old knee fracture that wasn't a knee fracture. So you, so if you have a horrible, a horrible game, you uh, have a great excuse. Absolutely. <laughs> I always have a great excuse when I have a horrible round. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I always have great excuses because I never have a great round. All right, man, we got another guest today. Uh, who do we have today? So today, this time, we have my brother-in-law, uh, Tyler Pride. Uh, he is a legend in my circle of, of friends and in my life. We have been uh, friends since we were six years old. Wow. Um, in fact, I've, I've talked about him on this podcast a few times. I wanted to bring Tyler on uh, because this is an, a podcast about adversity, and this man here has been through his fair share of adversity, and we'll, we'll get into that. But just kind of the a background of what we talked about kind of with Mike when Mike was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, his dad was a famous black country singer, and his mom was a white airline stewardess. They had a 10-year affair, and he was a planned byproduct of that. And then once he was born, dad kind of went MIA and it became a very, very difficult thing for him to grow up. And kind of like I brought up before, none of the black kids wanted to hang out with him because he was mixed. None of the white kids wanted to hang out with him because he was mixed. And this is growing up in the 80s, right? Like when that wasn't, we literally had a Sunday school teacher. I won't bring up her name, (laughs) uh, but that taught us in church that mixing between the two colors was a sin and i'm sitting there next to him in this sunday school wow i'm like you gotta be kidding me with this thing right so that just kind of puts in perspective the shit he had to grow up in and the fact that he's this amazing human being he's an amazing father they have three kids they've adopted three or three right we've got yeah we've got five kids total we've got uh my son i adopted my oldest son uh, who was my wife from a previous relationship. Then we had our daughter together, and then we adopted. We've adopted two more, and we're fixing to adopt another one. Oh, man. So Really cool stuff. God bless you, bro. Yeah, yeah man, a, that's so dope. I know. it's real, And he's a police officer, right? And he's been with this. He's been with he, – he, they moved back to our hometown, Tyler. And so he's on Tyler PD. But when we were in college, so we were roommates in college – we were roommates. Uh, I don't know if we were roommates. We were never roommates after college, but we were yeah. roommates during college. Um, and then he, I moved back to Texas, and then him and my sister actually started dating. Uh, and I remember he called me, and he goes, "Hey, Bubba, what, what are you, what, what are you doing?" I said, "I'm, I'm, I'm driving." He goes, "Next words out of his mouth." So, so are you sitting down? Oh man. Well, I'm driving. So yeah, I'm sitting. He goes, "Well, I got to talk to you about something." I'm like, "Okay, like what? What is this?" He goes, "Uh, so I'm dating your sister." I was like. Uh, okay well is that and what this whole buildup was you, for you guys were best friends already best for friends. how long yeah. oh since we were oh. six years old yeah and this I mean, was out less well that's 10 years ago 20, 11 years yeah we were i was 29 
at the time. That was like 14 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's long. So, We've been friends a long time. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? Sometimes sometimes a big brother or a brother will will trip on getting yeah. news like oh, that. Yeah. From oh, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Well, well, he had seen me, too, interact with other boyfriends, right? Yeah. And I was a bully. You know, so here he is. You like, look like a bully. I was, boy. <laughs> you, don't mess, you don't mess with baby sister. And that's kind of, that's the guy code, you know. When you're best friends with somebody, you don't, little yeah. sisters are off limits, so. Yeah. It's funny, I was uh, watching Family Guy and I seen an episode where that happened. <laughs> so you weren't my friend. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's so dope for you guys. I, I see the, the brotherly relationship just oh, as yeah. soon as you guys walked in yeah. the room. So it's so dope to hear a little bit of your story in the first, you know, couple minutes of this episode. Uh, you know, how you're doing, what you went through. And uh, that's what this podcast is all about, is, you know, sharing your story. A lot of people don't know what we go through in life. Right. And uh, just a little that he shared of uh, the, the the Sunday school teacher. Yeah, I'm very interested to hear a lot more of uh, what you did. So what, where, where exactly did you grow up? So we grew up in Tyler, Texas, in that, well, yeah, in Tyler, Texas. Um, lived in a little town called Lindell, which is just north of Tyler. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to Tyler. My mom and I moved to Tyler when, when I was about 13 years old. And so little town in East Texas, you know, it's a, it's a good town to grow up in. It's kind of small. And especially when we grew up there, it was, yeah. you know, everybody knows everybody, but it's big enough that you don't see everybody that you know all the time. So, oh. you know, it's kind of that nice mix of you can always run into somebody and, uh, but you don't, you're not always, right, right. you know, up in each other's yeah, space yeah so uh it's it's a good place to grow it's still a great place to raise a family you know but um we it's funny fun. i i think i think uh one of my friends sent me a instagram post of a of a is, is that where the the convict escape is that where it happened yeah, yeah, yeah and that just was the just last week just last week yeah. and it said uh tyler and i was like hey that's where yeah. <laughs> that's where josh is i was from. actually on the way to <laughs> to go find him oh so, so you yeah. were a part of that <laughs> yeah wow that's yeah. crazy man a so. video that went viral and one of the officers <laughs> here we are here. see yeah varsity wow. podcast you never know who you're yeah. gonna get real stories <laughs> real stories real convicts wow <laughs> so in uh growing up did you want to be a cop growing up yeah yeah i, I think that's always been one of my goals was to be a cop i and think a lot of a lot of kids growing up you know i want to be a firefighter or i want to be a superhero i yeah. want to be a cop yeah so unless, unless you're snoop dog oh yeah yes, he want to be a mother hustler but i want to be a cop <laughs> and snoop what do you want to be snoop d-o-double-g <laughs> i want to be a mother hustler you better ask somebody <laughs> so when uh you met josh were you guys living in the same uh neighborhood no, we, uh, I don't even know where we were living. Well, Church, I was in, you were in Lindell. I was in Lindell yeah. and I think he was in Tyler, but we went, we met through church and, um, our church group growing up was extremely, extremely close. Mm -hmm. And we, we all grew up together. We all went to church, everything. A lot of people did things with their school and then they just went to church and they had friends at church, but your friend group was at school for us. It was the opposite. And we did everything as a group together. We met and just kind of hit it off. The rest is history, except for like two years. But yeah, two those were called the dark years. Yeah. Uh oh. Tyler thought he was cooler cooler than me. <laughs> so he said, "F your couch. I got I got new friends." Yeah. It was like two years that we we didn't talk, we didn't like each other, and oh. anybody that brought us, you know, 
Hey, what's Josh doing? I don't care. Screw that guy. Was yeah. this was this in the, the the younger part of the oh, relationship yeah. or yeah, yeah, I think we were like ten. Yeah. Oh, we didn't okay. twelve, you know, something like that. Yeah. He probably stepped on my shoe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't stupid, remember. You know, or, but I think I got drunk at your birthday party. At ten, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was thirteen. No, that was was it thirteen? Was it thirteen? Yeah. We spiked the punch at yeah, his birthday they party. The punch at my birthday oh, party. Wow. That's yeah. a true story. <laughs> yeah. And I got in trouble for it, but man, yeah. If there was, was if there was social media back then, you'd guys oh, go viral for that oh, too, man. man. Oh, I'll never forget. I, don't, I Didn't wouldn't. You and your comic, mom show man. up to our apartment. We were living in that little apartment in my grandmother's apartment oh, geez, spot, and yeah. you guys showed up and had to like. Here's his mom and my mom having like the the face off between the two of us, right? And they're just drilling us, cross examining yeah. us the whole nine. Wow. And Tyler and I are just looking at each other like uh <laughs> we're done like this yeah, yeah we're screwed we there was a whole lot of we're in a lot of trouble i don't remember yeah i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know well who did it i don't know i don't know i don't know i was just there i noticed it tasted funny and i started feeling weird yeah that's a criminal answer i don't know i don't know i wasn't there daniel kissinger remember that name that's who did it so uh 30 years later we released the name (laughs) so you you mentioned church and uh you know he mentioned a little bit about how the the teacher made made comments yeah about you know hanging out with different races how how did at that time thinking back to that moment uh how did you feel it it was i was very conflicted i really didn't understand how how people just looking at somebody didn't like them just because of the way they looked, right. and you know you look at me and unless you know i mean i really don't look like a black guy mm-hmm. you know and so when people would find out you know parents would find i'd be dating a girl and parents would find out and all of a sudden she had to break up with me you know and uh people make comments you know well you, you can't hang out you're not black enough you're not you know and then some white guys were i can't hang out with you because you're black and i'm just like but i'm me like it, yeah it's it doesn't change who i am so it at first, I was very conflicted. I didn't understand it. And then I just got angry. And for years, years, I was just angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry at my mom and dad. And now, did you did you express that in in the outer world? Well, I expressed or, or it. was that okay? Oh, yeah. I expressed it. And, um, I mean, not in the best way all the time. But, but that actually turned into, because I was getting in trouble for mm-hmm. lashing out and, you know, getting in fights and stuff. Then I just started stuffing everything down. And I just went the complete opposite. Well, if I'm going to get in trouble for that, then I'm just not going to do anything. And so I became very much an introvert and didn't want to didn't want to do anything, didn't want to talk to anybody. And it was tough, mm-hmm. you know, and not knowing I knew where I came. I always knew who my dad was. And that was never that was never a secret to me. But I wasn't really supposed to say anything. Right. And because of his career and, you know, and he never really out, out came out and said hey don't say anything mm. you know i don't want my career but it was just little hints you right. know and then his family hated me and never met him still to this day wow. and they hated me and um he did he tried to be a as good a father as he could be but he you know he his famous saying was you know i got two families and i'm trying to keep the peace on both sides and mm. you know now that i'm a father i get it like I mean, when you're with your family, that's that's your whole world. And if it's ca- complete chaos, then your your world's chaotic. And you going through a lot at, at such a young age. When when did you come at peace with with a lot of it? Because obviously, you were angry for a lot of part of yeah 
yeah, big mo- part of it. Yeah, most of the, most of my growing up years, I was. It was probably it was probably college, uh, during college or right after college, where I actually finally made the decision that this is eating me alive mm-hmm. and this is killing me. It's killing relationships. It's killing everything. It's and all the joy is gone. And I've made the decision that, you know what, I'm going to take what I can get from him. Any time that I can get, I'm going to take, and I'm just going to say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done being mad and I'm just going to live my life. Right. And that was probably the biggest turning point for me and freeing of just being able to just figure out at that point, who is Tyler? Mm-hmm. And who who do I want to be? Who am I? So it was – I actually remember exactly where I was when I made that decision. It was wow. in my apartment. And my dad had called, and he never called. And we had just kind of gone through the thing that me and Josh went through. Of We had a fight. I told him, you know – or he said, I guess I can't be the dad that you want me to be. And I said, well, I guess I can't be the son you want me to be. And we just left and didn't talk for probably eight months solid. Wow. He called me out of the blue and said, hey, I'm coming to Nashville. And this is when I was in Cleveland, Tennessee. And he said, hey, I'm coming to Nashville. Do you want to come over and hang out? And I was like, yeah, I mean, that'd be great. Mm -hmm. He said, all right, I'll call you later and um, let you know the details and where to go. It was the day of me supposed to go over there. So I had taken off work for the whole weekend and had packed a bag. And I was like, I was like a little kid just at Christmas, just sitting mm-hmm. there waiting. And he called, and I grabbed my keys, and I'm walking out the door getting in my car. And he goes, hey, uh, you know, I've talked to some people, and it might not be a good idea for you to come over. Wow. And I was like, well, why? And he said, well, it's just, you know, you don't understand what it's like being famous, and you don't understand that it's a PR thing. I said, Dad, honestly, what what am I going to say? Like, you've taken care of me financially for my whole life, like, We've got a relationship. What am I going to say? No, my dad's a jerk. You I know, got your last name rocking, yeah. rocking around with me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, and he said, Tyler, you just don't understand my fan base. They're not going to lie. I said, Dad, people have affairs all the time. People have illegitimate kids all the time. And I said, it's not a big deal nowadays. He goes, son, you just don't know. I, I, you just can't come over. And I was just, I was done. I was crushed. I was angry. And it was just like everything welled back up. And I was like, I can't go through this again. Right. I can't do this to myself again. And I just prayed to God. I was like, God, I I need help. I, I cannot live like this anymore. And uh, it was like he told. He just said, you got to let it go, and you've got to just move forward. Mm-hmm. And that was the turning point for me. That's kind of when I started growing up. Right. Up until then, I was always – in some way, shape, or form, that little kid who was just unsure of everything, unsure of where his place in the world and and all that. But that's when I started saying, okay, well, if this is how it's going to be, then this is how it's going to be, but I'm not going to live in it. So when you uh, went through that, did you see uh, the change in you of, of uh, things that happened to you after that? Not initially, um, because, I mean, it's hard to change who you are. You know, it's hard to change the way you think about things and the way you look at things. Um, but over time, it was, you know, hanging out with him and just doing things and mm-hmm. being a part of things. And uh, you start realizing this is fun. Like, I, I'm enjoying life and, you know, I've got relationships that are mending. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of look back, you know, 2020 hindsight is, is an amazing thing. You can kind of look back and see how everything, you know, fell into place. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, it, it started – it, it's kind of like a snowball, you know, mm-hmm. and it, once you make that choice and you start acting on it and you put actions behind your words, 
it it's like a snowball and it just starts picking up momentum. And that was I still look back as one of the best decisions I ever made. And so. have you talked to to him since, or is that kind of? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we talked since then. I mean, we we got to where it was we had a normal relationship for us. Mm-hmm. It was very unnatural relationship, father son relationship, just because of the dynamics that were going on. And like you know, I'd call him at Christmas, and he'd call me on birthdays, and you know, we'd we talk to each other. Just it got to where I could call him. I mean, we'd have a normal conversation for us and just talk about uh, my singing at the time and, you know, stuff like that and my work. And so it we got our relationship better. Right. But it was still, you know, a lot of times I'd call and he'd be like, hey, I need to call you back. And I could hear people in the background. I'm like, okay, he's at, he's at his house, <laughs> you know. And that's just, it still bugged me. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, you just got to keep going. And it's it's something you went through all your life and it's, I mean, it just goes to show that, you know, in situations like that, it's not something that you just get used to after years and years and years of going through it. Yeah. Situations like that. And and we'll, we'll get back to uh, what the teacher said. How, how did that uh, affect you when, when the teacher said that? And did you see that more and more as you were growing up too? When when, some people, yeah. yeah, And some people, and it's, it's kind of like the whole, you know, it seems like nowadays a lot of people want to put people in boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, you look that way or you're from that that race or you're from that ethnic culture and so you you have to act that way. And it you lose so much when you do that because mm-hmm. people are so diverse. People are so there's so many different layers to people and if you just uh, label people by how they look or where they come from, you're missing on so many pe- uh, so many levels of what you can get from people, what you can teach them and what they can teach you. And I remember when she made that comment, I was just, I literally kind of sat back and I was just like, what? Like we were just kids. Like it just, and you guys were best friends. Yeah. 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 And everybody knew like growing up, I was, it wasn't a secret who I was. It wasn't a secret who my dad was. I didn't go out and publicize it, but I also didn't, you know, my mom taught me, she was like, you'd be proud of who your dad is. You know, he's a great man. He's a great country music singer. He's famous. You know, you be proud of that. That's your heritage. That's where you came from. So I was very proud. So ever, all my friends knew, you know, their parents knew. And so our group of friends, like everybody, it was just like the, you know, in the movies where you see that something happens and everybody looks at that one guy going. Yeah. And everybody just looked at me and I was just like, did you really just say that? Yeah. Like, you know, why, why would you say, and nobody really said anything and we just kind of moved on. I think she kind of picked up on. Oh, uh, maybe I stepped in it. Yeah, the you whole know. Pl- yeah, the whole class. Because we, like he said earlier, we were all, we're, and we still are very close. Yeah. Our group of friends, right. and they all, and it's fun because when I go home, so he works security at our church, and then my sister's on the praise team. So when I go home, it's wild because now it's all of us grown up with our own kids, right? right? So there's all these miniature mini us is <laughs> running around, you know, and it's it's a really neat dynamic to see how close we've all come and grown. And I think one of the things for Tyler that I, that I was able to witness, cause I've been on this, I've been in the shotgun seat of this ride <laughs> the whole time, right. Yeah. Except for the two year hiatus. We don't even know which years they were, no. you know, but is when he came to t- Tennessee, it was a, a music school. And so whenever we, whenever we went to school there, you know, before I was always, I was the athlete. I was kind of, Tyler likes to say, I was the life of the party and all this stuff. And, and I was, I was always a fun, you know, thing. And I always had this good vibe, but you right. know, we, we were in my element, right? We went to Lee, we were in his, in his element. Mm. 
And so now all of a sudden he's got all these friends that are these choir friends, you know, they're not athletic at all, <laughs> you know, but they can sing, man. And, and I really became so enamored with music from being around him. around him. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of my friendships that I pulled out of his circle, Chris Garman, Kent, mm-hmm. different guys like that are these incredible musicians, right? Like reasons I started playing guitar and, all that our roommate in college, Josh Phillips. I went. I got a guitar for Christmas. His dad's this huge worship pastor at this massive church, right? And I'm in there like just struggling with this guitar. And this jackass goes in there, and within a week, I come home, and he would be in my room every day playing my guitar. Yeah. And I came home, and this fool's running scales, and do, I mean playing Dave Matthews songs, <laughs> and I'm over here like GCD, you know, like. <laughs> They're, you know, like terrible. And I was just like, it blew my mind though. Like how music can be inside people yeah. and you just don't realize it. Right. So whenever he was younger, uh, a lot of that stuff started happening with his dad and he kind of said, well, screw music. I want to kind of pursue the police officer thing and went to work for campus safety at our school. And which was just awesome. There's, <laughs> there's for you, so right? many <laughs> stories there. <Yes>. Paintball guns, <laughs> stolen golf carts. Yeah. yeah, don't get them in trouble, man. We 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 oh, took statute of limitations. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's way gone now. <laughs> he, uh, in fact, we got. He went to work for Cleveland PD after that, and I'm coming back from Chattanooga. I've been out, and I've got this car full of girls with me, and we're driving oh, back, gee, and and it's late. And I get pulled over and I'm like, oh no, this is not good. Well, I look in my rear view and I swore it was him. Right. And I'm like, oh, roll down the window. And I said, hey, Tyler, you're not Tyler. <laughs> he goes, Tyler, you mean Tyler Pride? And I said, yeah. He goes, how do you know Tyler Pride? I said, well, we're like best friends. We used to be roommates. I thought he was pulling me over, messing with me. He goes, no, no. He wasn't pulling you over messing with you. I'm pulling you over for speeding. <laughs> and he goes, uh, what's got, what you got going on in this car? And I was like, oh, man, I just got these girls. I'm trying to get them home. He goes, give me just a minute. And I hear him go back to the car, and I hear and I hear him calling. Well, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. Tyler's in bed. I was working day shift, so I was out. I <laughs> to be so I hear this voice. Oh. And he's like, hey, uh, Tyler, I got, uh, I got a James Joshua purser here. <laughs> Says he knows you. And he goes, Arrest him, put him in jail. I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> it hangs up. I pissed. You woke me up. I had to be up in a few hours. <laughs> this guy, he's laughing so hard. He comes back and he goes, All right, you do know Tyler. Get out of here. Go home. <laughs> That's funny, man. <laughs> Come to find out, it was his training officer. Yeah, he was oh, one wow. of my teachers. Yeah, so like he knew Tyler really well, right? Like, because he trained him. So. <laughs> It was it was cool to be to, to 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 watch him come into his own, and now he's a police officer, and has this amazing reputation back home, and you know he's he's elevated in his career uh, very well, and and to see him build this family of his own, right? So after, you went back home uh, to yeah okay. yeah I was a cop yeah. in Tennessee for like six years, almost seven years, and uh, once Charity and I got married and started having babies, she was like, all right, it's time to go home. Time to go. I home. was like, yes, ma'am. So. <laughs> Yeah, and that which that I mean that in itself was a story of God providing because we we had bought a house and I was up for promotion and everybody even the chief was like you're going to be the next sergeant you're going to be the next sergeant or detective and um, 
I was like, all right. And then once we got through the testing, I was number three on the list, number two on the list. Wow. And there was one spot. And I was like, well, that sucked. So then the next time promotions came up, everybody's like, all right, this time you were number two last time. This time you got it. And Charity was going through stuff, you know, with just nobody there. She had no family there. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of our friends had kids that were older. And so there's just a lot of dynamics going on. Our house was literally falling apart. The Money Pit house mm. from the movie, The Money Pit. Like every every time you fix something, two other things something are going on. Yeah. And um, I'd gone to church and I was going through a dark place of just a lot of drinking and, and stuff. And we started going back to church and there was a, our pastor, actually, I went to college with and we sang in the choir together and he was out this Sunday. And so we had a guest preacher come in and he, uh, he gave an altar call. And he said, if you need to hear from God, if you need God to direct you, get down here to the altar right now. And I told Charity, I said, I gotta go. Uh, I just, I felt God pulling me. Right. And, um, so I went down there and I went down to the very, you know, as far as I could to the end. Cause I didn't, you know, I don't want anybody to see me needing right. something. <laughs> and, uh, so he starts at that end and walks his way all the way down, praying for people and giving them words and stuff gets to the, and I'm doing the whole, you know, open one eye, see where he's at. And, and, uh, <laughs> is he coming? Is he coming? Is, is it my turn? Okay. Jesus. Not, not Jesus. And so he gets to the person next to me and prays for them for like five minutes. I mean, just, and I could hear parts of it and it was just like, holy mackerel, this dude's on point. Like yeah. he is giving it to people. Gets done with her, goes to the next guy on my other side. And I was like, and I literally, I was sitting there and I was like, really God? Like you called me down. I know you called me down here and I got nothing. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know what? I, I, screw this. And I was like, all right, you know, and he, there was like two other people. And so he prayed for them real quick and came back, looked at me just like I'm looking at you and then starts walking and stops. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> what? And he, st- he comes back and he goes, you'll have your answer in 21 days and walks off. And I was like, the heck does that mean <laughs> and so i'm up for promotion charity's wanting to move home and so we had kind of made the decision if i don't get this promotion we'll start looking at moving home because right. if i got the promotion it'd be a pay increase and you know my career would keep going and and so i told charity and she you know we we left church and she goes well you know what did he tell you i said nothing and i see and she goes well, what did he say i said that i'll have my answer in 21 days and she was like well okay then we'll have our answer in 21 days. And I said, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and my wife is, she's, gosh, she, God picked her for me because she is so smart and she knows me. And she goes, babe, calm down. If that's the only word he got, then God's going to be true. And we just have to trust him. And I, and I said, okay. So I think 14 days later, something like that, I was passed over for promotion again. I was number three on this list. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, there's our answer. Within 21 days, we've got our answer. And then the next questions come up. Okay, we're going to move home. How? We've got no money. Our house is falling apart. We're fixing to get foreclosed on. And, I, it, you know, as the man of the house, as the provider, I'm sitting there going, I'm a failure. I, You know, I can't get promoted. I can't make more money. I can't, you know, our son was going through a lot of medical stuff. He was autistic. And, you know, so I'm, I'm just broken. And I had, we had come home for Thanksgiving and, um, I had tested at Tyler PD just because Charity was like, just go test, you mm-hmm. know, if you can always turn it down and hadn't heard anything. And this is like December, got a phone call from Tyler PD and said, Hey, when can you get down here? Where's your name? And I was like, really? 
And I said, well, we're coming down for Christmas for two weeks. And he goes, I'll get every, all your testing through in those two weeks and we'll make it happen. So I ended up getting hired with Tyler PD. Wow. We're on the, we're literally on the way back to Tennessee. And she's like, are you not happy? Like it's a, it was a $5 an hour pay raise at recruit pay. And I'd been there seven years. I mean, it was just, things were happy. It was a better department. It's a bigger department. And, um, and she's like, are you not happy? And I'm like, I'm happy, but how are we going to do this? Like, I can't sell the house because anything we, it just all these. And I start naming all these problems. She goes, I don't know, but God's going to provide. And on that trip, like an hour later, my dad called and, um, oh, sorry, I called my dad and, um, I said, Hey dad, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm taking a nap. And I was like, okay, well, never mind. He goes, no, let me wake up. I'll call you back. So he calls me back. And he goes, Hey, what's going on? I said, well, I got a job offer in back home in Texas and then we want to move home. And, uh, he kind of knew what was going on and I didn't really ask him for a lot of money at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, but he, you know, he, he'd send me a thousand bucks here, you know, 500 bucks there just to help out. But, and he goes, well, this is what you want. And I said, yeah, he goes, all right, well, we'll make it happen then and hangs up. And I'm like, what is that? What mean? is that? Like <laughs> 21 days, we're going to make it happen. And so it's like, ding, yeah. ding, and so ding. He calls me back later and he goes, you know, I was thinking, he goes, uh, you were, you, you were needing a, a place to stay. And I've done this for my other kids, for your brothers and your sister. I'll buy you a house. And I was just like, like a house, like what? And so I got off the phone and I told charity and she goes, are you kidding me? And she goes, she was pulling up her phone and I said, what are you doing? She goes, babe, it's 20 days from the day that that pastor told you, you'll have your answer in 21 days. Wow. It's pretty cool. And so <laughs> I was able to sell my house or well, we let the house go. You know, I talked to my dad and he talked to his financial guys and they said, just let it go. And I said, great. Now I got a foreclosure. He said, son, I've got you. I'll just let it go mm-hmm. and we will take care of it. And we were able to move to Texas. And so, you know, it's just all that adversity that we were going through of how are we going to live? Like, we honestly didn't know how we were going to put food on the table. And, you know, 21 days later, we're moving to Texas with a better job. And I had my answer, you know, and that's just. And a paid for house. Yeah. So, and then, and that, all of that teaching me to trust him. You know, we went a year with not having a house. And, um, finally we found a house that worked for us. It was perfect for us, perfect for our family at the time. And dad bought it like a year later. So, you know, it was like time after time, God just teaching, just trust me and I will take care of you. So it, man, adversity is hard. It is very, very hard when you're going through it. And I, I, I would not be here without God because it, he is the one that will get you through. So, and it's, it's uh, crazy how you mentioned earlier too, how, you know, you, you're here now and you look back to everything you yeah. went through. Yeah. I had a friend. Well, he's still my friend. And, uh, he was, uh, we, I grew up in a small town too. In our town, it's mostly, you know, uh, uh, Mexicans and, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, white people. And he was like one of the few black dudes at the school. Everyone knew who he was. Yeah. And this was when I was in seventh grade, dude. And maybe, close to my 40s he came up to me and said hey man thanks for always treating me the way uh you did you just treated me like a friend then he started sharing some of the things he went through and i'm like damn i didn't it's tough man yeah. i didn't realize that people were <laughs> that mean treating yeah. yeah especially kids which is crazy man kids are just they're mean 
Yeah. They're mean little shits. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think back to, to, you know, seventh grade, and I used to joke around just like I used to joke around with all my other friends, but he told me some, like, horrible stories yeah. that, you know, just him walking to and from school, mm-hmm. the name-calling uh, people, adults, grown-ass adults following a, a, a little kid, a little kid yeah. to see, you know, what he was up to. And I'm, yeah. and I, it's just tragic, man. Yeah. It's, it's just really crazy. Sad. So, so when you share your story, not only, not only, uh, uh, as a kid growing up, but dealing with, uh, I don't want to say daddy issues, but you know, uh, it was. The, the family issues yeah. too. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then and for Tyler, you know, when your your dad's on the Grand Ole Opry and he's on the CMAs and he's all over TV and people, you know, everybody knew who he was and he couldn't just pick up the phone, right, mm-hmm. and call him. I mean, he could, but it wasn't like... That wasn't until later it, in life. Yeah, it wasn't until later yeah. in life. And I think the reason he and I connected is because my dad left too, right? I had my own set of daddy issues. Right. You know, we were the two bastard kids at the church and we ran around together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got in trouble together, you know, and... And what was crazy is is the the label that people put on us, you know, oh, that's because their dads aren't there. You know, they're just, they're just, they just need attention. And the word kind of, we talked about this before, the word potential was a huge word that hung over us our whole young adult life, right? right? And I think Tennessee for both of us was really, really good for both of us. It really helped us grow and mature and get into a place that when, cause before when adversity would come, we would just crumble both of us, yeah. you know, I'd call him and I'd be in just shambles, right? Mm-hmm. If a girl broke up with me or I didn't make varsity, you know, my sophomore year and you know, all these different things, you know, that were happening to me that, that I were back then they were so huge, right? For a kid. And I, and I had my dad was my stepdad and he's awesome. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at that point, he was kind of like the guy that was teaching me how to camp, hunt, fish, and do all these things. I still, I would still lean on Tyler. I call him my anchor. I would lean on Tyler because I knew I could call Tyler, and I would, and and he knew how I was feeling. Right? right. I knew there was somebody on this planet that truly understood what was going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. And I think that for our listeners, there's a lot of us out here that are dads, or they are a product of being a fatherless child, Mm -hmm. right? And what I think we want to convey with Tyler's story is that don't dive in to the insecurities. Don't dive into the depression. Don't dive into the the lies that are not only being told by other people, but are being told by yourself Mm -hmm. to yourself. Don't believe any of that. You're a created, beautiful human being that has a father a father that loves you so much. He sent his only son for you. Right. And, and he's, and he's going to be there for you. And we talked about this adversity's coming. Mm-hmm. You can't avoid it, but it doesn't matter if you have faith or not, you're going to have adversity. Yeah. What faith does is it helps you navigate through it. Kind of like what he was talking about, right? 21 days. Okay. He could have either gone, well, that's a terrible answer. Or you could have said, all right, I have faith that what I'm being told is genuine, authentic, because this is how I believe, and, I, and this is real. And and he pushed through, and it, and it worked out. And now here we are 16 years later, and he's 10 years into the Tyler PD. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got this beautiful family. He's got the most incredible woman, in my opinion, except for my wife, because she's my sister. <laughs> uh, and, man, God bless him, because she is a lot. Uh, <laughs> love you, Charity. And, uh, <laughs> But, you know, I think that uh, as we, as we, as we really promote what this podcast is about, as we keep growing is 
stories like this, right? So, and, 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 you know, talk about, so his dad's Charlie pride. That's who his dad is. I guess that's the elephant in the room. We haven't even really brought up who (laughs) his dad is. Um, he just died of COVID. I want you to kind of talk about how you navigated through that. Cause that kind of reopened another, another wound. Right. So, and there was a lot of this, uh, I guess one way of saying is undealt with. Yeah things, emotions, yeah, conversations, right. right? Unfinished business, I guess, is what I'd like. So kind of unpack that a little bit and dive into that for us. So I was, uh, Charity and the kids were gone. They were running errands or something, and I, I'd been at the house and uh, was getting ready for work. And um, it was on a Saturday, and I was putting my uniform on, and I got a text from one of my best friends up in Cleveland on the Cleveland Police Force, and mm-hmm. – and, um, he said, hey, man, sorry to hear about your dad. And I was like, I literally just texted him back, what? And uh, then he didn't text anything. And I was like, well, that's weird. So I finished. I kept getting ready a little bit, and I was like, what is he talking about? Mm-hmm. And so I Googled Charlie Pride, and just news story after news story wow. started coming up that Charlie Pride died dead. You know, Charlie Pride died due to COVID. Charlie Pride, you know, and, and I literally just sat down. And we've got a couch at the end of our bed. And I sat on that couch and I was just, I didn't know how to, I was just numb. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, so I called charity and I, uh, I talked to her for a little bit and I said, Hey, I need you to take me off speakerphone. And she said, okay. And she could tell something was wrong. And I said, dad's dead. She said, what are you talking about? And I said, dad died. She goes, are you? And she was, you know, she was stunned. Mm-hmm. And I said, look it up on Google. And so uh, she goes, okay, I'm coming home. I said, no, I got to go to work. I said, don't just keep doing what you're doing. I said, and she goes, you can't go to work. I said, I have to, I can't, I, I, you know, I have to. So I went to work of course, you know, people are calling, you know, and I'm just sending them to voicemail. I, I can't talk to anybody right now. And, um, finally one of my, one of my good friends, uh, Bill Steinmiller, he called and he, she actually charity called Bill. And she goes, you've got to call Tyler. Like, you've got to get a hold of him because I'm worried about him. And um, so finally he <laughs> he sent me a text and he said, stop your car and call me right now. And so I I called him and I said, and he goes, hey, what? how are you doing? I said, I'm fine. And he said, no, you're not. I said, yeah, I am. I said, he goes, Tyler, this is not just another day. I said, yeah, it is. I got to go to work. I said, Bill, I can't talk right now. He goes, no, you're going to talk to me. So I go to work. And we talk a little bit and I go to work and the whole, the whole day I'm just reading story, you know, trying to figure out what happened. Right. And, uh, so I called my dad's longtime attorney and, uh, that night and I said, uh, you're not going to tell me that my dad died. And he goes, well, we were going to let you know, but, uh, we were just trying to deal with some things. And I'm like, you can't like, just send a text. Hey, your dad's not doing good. Like why? So you didn't even know he was no. going through anything yet? No, because I had talked. He had just gotten done doing an award show probably a few months before that. The CMAs. And um, and so he and Jimmy Allen uh, were singing. He got an award. And so it was, you know, I talked to him after that. And, I, you know, we normal conversation. Hey, Dad, you did good. He had forgotten the words to Kiss an Angel Good Morning, which mm-hmm. was his number one. I mean, that's what he's known for. And I'd made the comment to Charity, he doesn't look good. Like, he he doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, and she was like, well, I mean, you know, he's getting older and, and stuff. And so we had had that conversation. And so when I talked to him, I was like, you feeling okay? He goes, I'm, I'm a little tired, but you know, I'm fine. You know, I'm fixing to go sing, uh, can't remember where he's going, but he was going off to sing again. And I said, well, dad, you need to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself and taking some time to rest. So I had no idea. Like that was the last time we had talked probably about a month before he died. And, um, I had no idea he was sick. I didn't know anything was going on. And so, you know, that, that conversation with the attorney was just, it, it reopened the wounds of, I didn't, nobody told me anything, mm-hmm. you know, nobody, nobody even let me know he was sick. So it was, it was such a shock on so many different levels. And then just that nobody even called, had the decency to call yeah. and say, Hey, hate your guts, but you know, dad, your dad's dead. Click, you know, even that yeah. would have been something. And, and then, you know, was told not to come to his funeral, you know, oh, wow. and that I wasn't allowed at his funeral and just, so all of these wounds are just getting ripped right back open. So things that you were, had put behind you. Yeah. It all yeah. just came back. And, you know, and I, I've, Charity and I have talked, and I've realized that I had put them behind me, but I hadn't ever really dealt with them. Mm-hmm. And That's good. And so, and those are two very different things. To me at the time, I thought, you know, I've dealt with it. It's, it is what it is, and, you know, you just move forward. But the I had to re-deal with all those old wounds and re-figure out, kind of who I was again right because it took me it literally took me back to when I was a kid and just those feelings of not being able to be a part of his life not being able to have that connection to my birth father mm-hmm. and you know since then I've I'd moved in with my best friend's family uh you know David Rothwell and I became brothers and his family literally adopted me and that's that's who I call my family now and you know, so I had from 16 on, I had a dad, you know, I have, you know, pop is who I call, you know, when I talk about that's my dad, that's, Mm -hmm. but, and as great of a man as that he is, and it's still, there's still that missing connection to Mm -hmm. my dad. And, you know, it's kind of like Josh said, we knew, we've always known how each other feels. And I think that's one of the things that's awesome about this podcast is it allows people to know that what you see on Facebook, what you see on the gram, what you Not see real. on Twitter and, you know, TikTok and all that stuff, it's a part of who that person is. And it's the usually real. the best part. Yeah. It's, I mean, what they call it the reels, you know, mm-hmm. put it, they put out another reel. Oh, that's, you know, that's a good way. I never thought and about that. So it's, that's the whole point. It's a highlight reel of that person's life. And it's, that's great. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing but it's not who they are. It's not everything that's there smiling and having the, you know, up on top of the mountain and smiling and having a great vacation, but they're really struggling. Mm -hmm. And for that's one thing I love about y'all's podcast is that it's telling stories that allow people to see I'm successful. We've got a great business or I've got a great career and things are going great, but it wasn't always like that. Mm -hmm. You had to work, you had to earn, you had to, you know, trudge through all the adversity and in that you become stronger and you get to do the highlight reels but it's not that's not all life is and yeah i always pay attention to documentaries too because one of the things that that comes up is like overnight success yeah and then when that comes up with the the person the highlight of 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 
the person they're highlighting, uh, they say, yeah, it took me <laughs> 10 years to become yeah, an overnight no. success. Yeah. It's not like you said, it's like, it's like social media. Like people only like to share the good, but this podcast is also about sharing the good, but we also want to know what you went through, yeah. how, how you got through it. And uh, we, we do appreciate you sharing a lot of personal things. I, w- I want you to share about uh, adopting, man. That's that's uh, some feel-good stuff right yeah. there. So after uh, after we had our daughter, um, who's we, we joke with her that she's the weird one in the family because <laughs> she's the only biological kid <laughs> between me and my wife. And because um, I was adopted, Charity was adopted. And so, we, you know, and that's always a running joke in our family. But she had a really, really hard pregnancy and almost died. And... Uh, like I was being told by the doctors, you're going to have to make a decision. Do we keep the baby or do we keep your wife? Wow. And so luckily I got to keep them both because they're, they're really cool people. And so after that I had a vasectomy and I was like, I'm done. I'm like, I'm not putting my wife through that again. I can't go through that again. And so I was done. And that in itself for our marriage was a very hard time because charity wanted, she always said she wanted six kids Mm -hmm. like growing up. I want six kids. And I was like, eh, Maybe not six. Um, six is a lot. Yeah. And so, you know, we had two kids at the time. Braden was going through a lot of stuff and we were trying to figure out. We didn't even know he was autistic at that point. And so um, we were trying to figure all that stuff out. And I was like, I, we got enough. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward to when we moved to Texas, you know, we had looked at IVF. We had looked at, uh, you know, in vitro. We looked at a bunch of different stuff and it was just so expensive, you know, and so I'd been praying and, you know, Charity had been praying not together and not really talking about it, but we were on the way back from Dallas from a doctor's appointment. And she said, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, okay. And so we were talking and she goes, what, what do you think about adoption? And I just looked at her and I was like, why? And she goes, well, I feel like God's put it on my heart that maybe we need to look into it. And I was like, man, that's crazy. I feel the same thing. Like God's been really laying, you know, to look at what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And And so she goes, okay, well, so you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, find out stuff. And a joke we've got in our family is, you know, she brings me an idea, but just tell me what it's going to take to get there. (laughs) And so I said, yeah, find out what what we need to do. And she goes, all right. And so, so a lot of times we'll talk about something and, you know, it's just us talking about it. Well, like the next week, she's like, we got an appointment with the, uh, with the adoption service. And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Wait, what happened to this 21 day thing? Yeah, I've been hearing? Just, I like that, man. Execution, there. baby. Just, yeah, get it done. <laughs> and so, um, so we went and met with them and, uh, Christian Holmes, we met the, uh, the caseworker and who is, <laughs> we joke that she, we're brother and sister from a different mama. And cause we, I mean, we just, we say all kinds of stuff that you probably shouldn't say to an adoption worker. <laughs> she'll come over and she's like, where are the kids? I'm like, ah, oh, they're in the closet, tied up, duct taped in the closet. And she's like, oh, okay, good. Um, we'll edit that one out. Yeah. We didn't really do that. We that don't was a our joke, kids guys. Um, kind of. Kind of. So, but we just went through the classes and got all the training and got licensed. And so I was still sitting there going, you know, well, what, how does this work? Yeah. You know, my wife is, she has done research and she knows it back. And I was like, we need to stop. Like how, how, what is, do they just bring you a kid and say, here, here you go. She's like, no, they call you. And so we were on this journey and 
we're licensed and all right, we're getting a kid. Let's go. And nothing like nobody called. There's no babies, nothing. And I was like, maybe we missed the mark. I don't know. Yeah. And I'm, I was on motors at the time. And so I, I was on a traffic stop and she's like blowing my phone up and I'm like, I can't answer it. I'm on a traffic stop. So I clear the traffic stop. She actually got them out of a ticket because I was like, something's going on. So I just cut them loose real quick. So you're welcome. It's that guy <laughs> that was running left. on Instagram yeah. last yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I pulled over and, and um, called her and I said, hey, what's going on? She goes, so they've called us. They've got two 11-month-old twins. And uh, what do you think? And I was like, man, 11 months, like, that's a lot. Like, that's jumping in the deep end with weights on, you know. And – I said, it just, that makes me nervous just because our kids are older, you know, our right. kids are five, you know, they're, I think Maddie was like five, something like that. And I said, that's, they're like mobile. Like that's, you can't just put the baby down and like go take, we can't gradually get into this. And she goes, well, I, I need to tell them an answer. And I was like, I just, I don't feel a piece about this. Something's off. Come to find out it wasn't two 11, 11 months old, 11 month olds. It was two 11 year olds. Oh, and so we, we turned that down and uh, said, it's just not a good fit. And so like another, a week later, um, we were laying, I don't know why, but we had mattresses. I'm sure she was redoing something in the house, nesting or something. I don't know, but we had mattresses in the living room and I went to work at 1230. And so it was like 10 o'clock, 1030 and her phone rings and we're just laying in, on the mattress watching TV before I got to go to work and the uh, phone rings and it's Anna our adoption caseworker. And, uh, she says, Hey, I got a baby for you. And, uh, it was, uh, he was just born coming straight from the hospital, uh, addicted to meth. And, um, she's like, do you want him? And charity looked at me and goes, it was on speakerphone. I said, yeah, I mean, you know, let's do it. So they brought him to us and I had to go to work and, uh, but they brought him, we called him peanut cause they brought him. He was so little. I mean, he was tiny, looked like a little peanut and they brought him in a little blue blanket. Wow. And, um, so Dumbo's always, we got him a Dumbo cause, uh, <laughs> we called him peanut, but I mean, it was, it was love at first sight. And, you know, Charity's made the comment when we talked about, uh, adoption in the past that she felt like she felt the connection to him the minute that we, that he was brought to the door. Right. And, uh, so, you know, and he was addicted to meth. And so there were nights of just sleepless night you know you're always left sleepless nights as parents but it was night after night of just him screaming unconsolable mm -hmm. and just going through withdrawals and so it but god healed him he actually has uh chiari one malformation which is where your spine or your brain stem goes into your spinal uh, cord and um they were like he he may never walk he may never run have problems eating and we did a lot of therapy with him but I mean, this kid, if you, if you meet Jackson, man, he is, he's either going to tear this universe apart or rule the universe. One he's such, the and he's such, and him and Hudson get along. They're oh, like, yeah. Pete, they're like brothers, man. It's wild. They're same age. Yeah. They look like each other. Yeah. Like there was a run, there was a little joke going around. I was like, Josh, where were you? It's <laughs> <laughs> like married, not, but, not, yeah. not having sex with a crack lady. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. So that was our first one, and and man, it's you know we had we actually had to go to court on him and had a week long trial. They uh, we finally got the the rights to adopt him, and since then I think we've had I think we're on number eight eight or nine that we've had kids go through our house, 
and um, man, it's, it's they do foster as well. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, so we, what they'll do a lot of, which is cool, they'll foster. Yeah, and then they'll see how you know, and then what'll happen is charity will or or and Tyler both will end up like he said having that connection right where they fit the mold. I think one of the most profound things, because my wife and I are, are in that same boat now where we're kind of like, you know, adoption may be something for us too to look into. You know, we only have one kid. We've got plenty of resources to, to, to nurture another one or two, you know what I mean? So we're kind of in that conversation now. But one thing, and this is good for our listeners, and that's why I want to I want to share it, uh, kind of like he said with that first set of twins, you have to know what fits, yeah. right? Because if you just take a kid to take a kid, and the kid doesn't fit, you, you, it's no good for anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not good for the kid, and it's not good for the home. It's, so you end up just taking that, that kid and putting him in almost a, a worse environment because then you'll start developing resentment towards that yeah. child, and that child will feel that, mm-hmm. you know, and then they develop their own issues, right, emotional issues that they have to process. So I think with adoption, and I never thought about that, right, you have to be able to go, this is not a good fit. Mm-hmm. or this is a great fit. Well, and we actually had to do do that with two kids that were placed with us. We had had them for probably, I don't know, four to six months, and she had been literally beaten to where almost every bone in her body was broken wow. before she came to us. Super and uh, her brother was 10 months younger than her. And so we got them both, and cutest kids. God, they are the cutest kids. And she just screamed nonstop and our house is our kids are just what like they're running and playing and stuff. And she needed an environment that was calm. That was, you know, she was the center of it. And we had to make the decision that this is, we're not the right fit for them. Mm -hmm. And that if, you know, if you're thinking about doing fostering or adoption, you have to be okay with that. And we had formed connections. I mean, I love those kids. Yeah. And we had already picked out names. We were planning on adopting them. And we literally had to take, sit down one night on the couch and say, and I had to talk to charity and I said, I got to be honest with you. This is not a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. It's tearing our family apart where there's a lot of, you know, conflict in our family because of them and because of issues that we just, we can't, we're not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay with saying, we're not a good fit. We're not what's right for you. And Charity's like, but doesn't that make us a failure? You know, we're supposed to take these kids in and give them a safe home. And I said, we have, you gotta, you gotta look at the big picture. We have given these kids months of safety and security, love and poured into these kids. And through that, we've realized what they need. Mm -hmm. And we're able to tell the next family, this is what you're walking into. And they ended up finding a family in Houston that will, that wanted them and um, took them. And we're still in contact with them. Like we're still, you know, Auntie Charity and Uncle Tyler. And um, and so, and they're a great family and they're doing great. And we had two more twins. One was uh, born brain dead and it was twins. And Charity almost died taking care of them because she had to have around the clock care. And um, we had, I had to make the call again of, of hey, we can't do this mm-hmm. and we're still in their life. You know, one, we had one baby die and that was probably the hardest thing that I've ever gone through, mm-hmm. um, was watching her baby die. But you know, her sister is now with a family in Tyler and they've adopted her and we're still in her life. Like 
we still see them all the time and get to be a part of it. But, and so you build these bonds and connections with people that we never would have met. And we've poured into these kids, you know, some went back to their family and that's great. You know, their family got, got their life straightened up and we were able to allow them to do that. And so, you know, it's, we look at it as a ministry. We've got kids and we can't go to the, you know, Sudan or, you know, East Europe and minister, but there's a mission field here in your backyard. Mm -hmm. If you just open yourself up and just look at it and say, all right, God, you know, use me and you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be right. God will take care of that, you know, so that's you and wifey for you and uh, your wife for uh, opening up your home uh, for a lot of these kids, man. Uh, I know, I know sometimes people will listen to, to something like that. And uh, a lot of people are quick to judge, like, you know, how can, how can you do that? But, you know, at the same time, like you said, and I'm, I'm glad you shared that is like, now you have information to pass along to someone else who is looking to adopt. Yeah. And you can't look at it like, you know, kind of rehash that point too. You can't look at it as a failure. You know, yeah. the fact that you're even went through the work to even get those licenses, mm-hmm. right? I mean, not many people are doing that. Like that's, that's a different caliber of thinking about humanity. I just, I just used the word failure with somebody and, uh, they, they stopped me and said, did you learn something from it? And I, said uh, yeah well it's not failure if you learn something from yeah. it it's not <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. And, and 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 i think for for people that are considering the foster piece of it or the adoption piece or both to really have that mentality of of if this situation doesn't work what am i able to take from this situation to make sure that the next family knows hey this is why it didn't work for us right yeah. and in order for it to work for you this is where you need to be at. This is where your mindset needs to be kind of um, like with the, the, the one that was, I remember, I can't remember her name, but she was, she was crying and screaming. And there was, there was this, this, this disrest, un, uh, d- disrest in the house and the kids were starting to get stressed and anxious and everybody was kind of on edge and everything like that. But when they found the new home and they were able to tell, you know, they didn't put her in a home that had a bunch of kids. It right. was just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you, and they didn't have to split up the kids, which happens sometimes, right? Yeah. right? They'll split kids up, which is so unfortunate. But she was able to go to a home, both of them, and now they're thriving because they took the time to love on them, understand them, get to know their situation, and then be able to give that resource to the next family. Right. So instead of, instead of the family having to take six months to a year to figure it out, it was almost like they got a head start on this deal yeah. and they were able to just organically kind of ingrain that into their process. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, so much for uh, sharing your story, man. It's, yeah. Thanks for having you, me. You've, uh, you've been doing amazing work, bro. And uh, you don't <laughs> even know that man. And you know, a lot of your personal stuff that you went through, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of our listeners can relate in some way. Uh, you know, we, we've mentioned daddy issues a lot and I think, you know, we all, we all have daddy issues in some way or another and, uh, uh, you know, getting through those issues, not ignoring them. Another one is, uh, is, is that I caught on this podcast is like, you thought, you know, you put it behind you, but you didn't deal with the situation. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, man, really appreciate you, uh, sharing your story. Um, Anything else we need to put out there for today? Just, those, just you know, for those dads out there, you know, we're a bunch, we're a bunch of dads, the three of us, right? Mm-hmm. Spend time with your kids, you know, yeah. love on your kids. You're, you don't realize how. I know there's a lot of guys out there that think they're terrible dads, or they don't have anything to give to their kids, and 
or they're just so busy trying to make money or do whatever, slow down, pause, go spend some time with your kids, love on your kids, you know, because they're only this age for this amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then they're adults and it's our responsibility as fathers to implant a foundation in them that when they become adults, they become men or women, right? They become grown adults that are able to function in this society and, 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 and function on a high level. You can't do that if you're not pouring it into your kids. You just can't do it. You need to, it's, it's not about qual- quantity. It's about quality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned is these are, your kids are your beliefs, your voice that will reach a generation and a place that you never can get to. Mm-hmm. That's true. That you're sending out to, to reach people that you'll never be able to talk to. And if you don't pour into them, if you don't teach your kids and, you know, spend time with them and teach them right from wrong, the, just the small things, mm-hmm. you know, um, then somebody's going to fill that void. Yeah. You know, That's, that is also true. And so, you know, just, it's about qual- quality, not quantity. And just taking a few minutes every day to just get on their level. And this is something I've had, I still struggle with. But just get on their level and just listen to them. Just right. talk to them about nothing. But just doing that lets them know that they're important. Mm-hmm. And so when they get older, it'll you know they you've already established that foundation that they can come to you. I mean, even even when your your kids are older, uh, you know, there's even in their twenties. Oh yeah, they're they're still reaching out to you. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm 43 yeah. years old and I reach out to my dad. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's not even my biological father. And I, I reach out to him and, and pull from him all the time because yeah. he's my dad, yep. you know, and I just, I really just want to get that out there. Use the word love. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's a four letter word that has more power and meaning and influence than any other word in the, in the, in the, in the human language, love. You know, I hear so many stories. Unfortunately, these kids are like, my dad never told me he loved me. I'm like, man, can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. I mean, I always knew he did. Right. It's like, I always knew he loved me. But he just never, t- and then these, we're not talking about the parents that were split. We're talking about the, they're still in the same home, yeah. right? Like, I'm like, men, it's okay to tell your kids you love them. It's yeah. okay to cry with them. It's yeah. okay to hug them. It's okay to do all these things that you think you're not supposed to do as a man because all you're doing is you're robbing you and you're robbing mm-hmm. your kid mm-hmm. of, of time and, and energy and, and a relationship that will last their entire life. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this was a this was a good one today, man. So uh, thank you guys uh, for checking out the podcast. Of course, we'll be back for the next one. This is the Adversity Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Peace.